Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK. Chamakar Sandu, not with us this week. He's still over there in New York City uh, for BT Sport covering the WWE. So you've just got me this week. But fear not, this will be a mercifully short episode. Pretty light week in the world of mixed martial arts. We have no major event in terms of UFC or Bellator coming up this weekend. We've got a week or two gap. So all we have for you on this week's show is a quick fire wrap up of what we had this past weekend. And the UFC were back at the apex for UFC Fight Night 198. And it was all about Misha Tate. Could she continue her comeback and move up towards a title shot and a rematch against the woman who took the belt off her in the main event at UFC 200, Amanda Nunes, who has looked pretty much bulletproof ever since that fight. The answer to that question was no, it did not go very well. Uh, Misha Tate, pretty competitive, it has to be said, against Ketlin Vieira, who to me fought like someone who almost didn't believe that she belonged in the cage with Misha Tate. It looked like she was fighting with a bit of a cloud over her head at times. And I, I felt like if she'd have fought with more fire and a little bit more confidence, she may well have got an even better result than the, than the one she got on fight night. Vieira got the unanimous decision win. 48-47, uh, 48-47, 49-46 on the judges' scorecards. And uh, she is without doubt a contender in the division. Obviously, she's bounced back from her defeat to Irene Aldana. And I think that was a bit of a confidence, a confidence boost for her, having got that win over Misha Tate. And I think Vieira, if she can really deal with her confidence issues, because I do think that there might be a confidence issue there, she could be a real threat at 135 pounds. She's very well-rounded, outstanding takedown defense. We saw Misha really going for some takedowns and just wasn't getting any change out of Ketlin at all. And when Vieira was putting her strikes together, she was lighting up Misha on the feet as well. Misha was very interesting stand-up um, in terms of style and very wide guard with her hands and um, very unusual, very different from what we've seen from her earlier in her career. But uh, nonetheless, very competitive fight. Didn't go Misha's way, and uh, that title shot looks a little, uh, a little bit of a, a bit of a mission to achieve from where she is right now in that bantamweight division. Be very interested to see what happens next. I know that the plan in Misha's ideal world was to win this fight, perhaps then fight for the belt, and then have a rematch with Holly Holm. Now, maybe that rematch with Holly Holm might come next. That's that's the strange thing. I think that is a fight that could be booked. And uh, maybe that is the, the bout that the UFC could look to put together next. Because I think both those fighters are kind of struggling for relevant matchups now. And uh, everybody loves a rematch. That was a particularly big rematch. That was a rematch of their title fight at UFC 196, which take one last gasp submission, rear naked choke, choked out. Uh, Holly, in uh, the closing moments of that fight. I was cage-side for that fight. That whole night was absolutely bananas. We had that in the co-main event. And then in the main event, if you remember, we had Nate Diaz uh, surprising the world, but not surprising himself as he choked out Conor McGregor in the first fight of their of their uh, epic rivalry, which we may yet see continue. There's been some chirping on social media from Conor McGregor, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, that was a big night, UFC 196. And uh, a rematch between Tate and Home might not be the worst idea 
for a, a pay-per-view card early in 2022. But big win for Ketlin Vieira and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, who she gets next. Co-main event was also a fascinating matchup. Michael Chiesa has been there or thereabouts at 170 pounds, probably one, maybe two wins away from a title shot. Uh, taking on Sean Brady, undefeated former CFFC welterweight champion and a guy who a lot of people, including myself, were very high on going into this fight. And this was a real acid test, I thought. Is Brady that good? Could he dominate someone like Michael Chiesa? Could he beat someone like Michael Chiesa? Well, he didn't dominate him completely, but he certainly looked the better of the two fighters on fight night. That is for sure. He he dominated in terms of the grappling exchanges. Chiesa was on the back foot for the majority of that fight. Whenever there was any kind of grappling involved, Brady was the one uh, doing the uh, doing the attacking, and Chiesa was the one having to fend off the submission attempts from Brady. Twenty nine twenty eight across the board, and uh, Brady continues his run. He's undefeated at one hundred and seventy pounds, and mouth-watering options for him moving forward. The 170 division is pretty stacked. I know the title picture is uh, interesting at the very top. Will it be uh, Leon Edwards next? Will he finally get his chance of a rematch against Kamara Usman? We've got Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal potentially fighting early in 2022. That would be awesome. And I know uh, Colby has been pushing pretty hard for them to to be the, the rival coaches on the upcoming season of the Ultimate Fighter. That would certainly help uh, breed some some new life and uh, rivalry into that franchise. So I'd love to see that. But as for Sean Brady, who does he face next? Well, Hamzat Shemaev is knocking around. And uh, it would appear that both men are not shy of that matchup. Brady, I think, will take on just about anybody. He's certainly uh, very confident. He's not massively outspoken, but he's a very confident guy. You listen to him talk. He's got no reason to be concerned about anybody in that division, and he certainly isn't. And you've got Hamzat Shumayev, who uh, just this past week wrestled Jack Hermanson, middleweight contender Jack Hermanson, and looked massive. He looked much, much bigger than Jack when they faced off before the before the wrestling bout. And uh, he actually beat Hermanson in that matchup. And uh, yeah, he, he's an absolute beast. And I think Hamzat doesn't really care who he fights. Anybody who's relevant, he'll get in the cage with him. He's an equal opportunities uh, fighter by the looks of it. He will fight you. If you're a superstar, he'll fight you if you're an up-and-coming contender. So Brady versus Chimaev might be a decent booking. It's just whether the UFC wants to keep them separate and build these two undefeated contenders separately with a view to meeting them a little bit further down the line. So we'll have to see how that one goes. But yeah, Brady looking really impressive. And one of the real key takeaways from Fight Night on Saturday was his performance. Welterweight has another contender, and uh, his name is Sean Brady. Um Disappointing for uh, one of the Brits, you know, with a Brit pack. We always keep an eye on how the Brits get on. We had two on the fight card on Saturday night, and unfortunately, both of them ended up on the wrong end of defeats. Uh, Joanne Wood, formerly Joanne Calderwood, of course, taking on uh, Taylor Santos, who stepped in on short notice uh, and defeated Jojo by first round submission. Heavy handed strikes from Taylor Santos. Uh, really put Jojo in trouble. And then she locked up the rear naked choke and got the job done at the 4.49 mark of round one. That, for me, put Santos right in the title picture. We're looking for contenders at £125. Valentina Shevchenko has basically run the table in that division pretty much. I think a win for Jojo may well have put her in with a chance. 
of uh, facing Valentina for the belt, given that she would have been a fresh contender and she's been knocking knocking on the door of a title shot for a while. Um, but it, it, she's fallen at the final hurdle again. I remember she was on the verge of contention. Uh, I think she was strawweight back then. And uh, she lost to Marina Moreau's. Um Real surprise. Got submitted by Marina Moreau's in the first round. And that really put the brakes on her her title ambitions back then. We've kind of seen it again now with Taylor Santos. Congratulations to Jojo, though, are in order. She's got married uh, to to John Wood, who is also a coach. And uh, it's just a shame that they weren't able to to add to the celebration by seeing a victory and potentially a, a, a title shot on the horizon. But back to the drawing board again for Jojo Wood. So uh, Taylor Santos, though, she's legit. She's a contender. And, uh, you know, she's fresh on the scene. And she's the sort of person that nobody at 125 pounds is going to want to fight. So looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. Who, who, whoever Taylor Santos has to fight next is going to be in for a really tough night. Um, veteran Rani Yaya seems to have been around forever. Picked up a, a victory over Kyung Ho Kang. Unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Good win for him at bantamweight. But the bantamweight fight that really did the business on fight night, Adrian Yanez versus David Grant. This fight picked up the fight of the night bonus, $50,000 each. Well-deserved as well. Davy Grant is so much fun to watch. Uh, he's he'd lost so much of his career to injury. And he ever since he's come back from his injury, he fights like a man possessed. He leaves everything in the cage. And uh, a real sort of wholehearted fighter just goes in there and gives his all every single time. Takes a shot to give a shot. And that always makes for a really entertaining matchup. And against Adrian Yanez, it was a really polished striker. Um, it made for an interesting clash of styles. Davey, without doubt, was the aggressor for the entire three-round fight. Pushed the pace for all three rounds. And unfortunately for Davey, it was Adrian's cleaner work um, that, that got him the win. He was picking Davey off at points. Davey was, was certainly landing plenty of stuff himself. And uh, it was one of those where... Davey was really annoyed at the scorecards. Adrian Yanez was annoyed at the scorecards. It was a split decision. Uh, Davey took the first scorecard, 30-27, which I found very strange because I thought Yanez clearly won round one. I thought the second and third rounds were much, much closer. Um, and I think, I think I gave Davey the, uh, the second round, if I remember rightly. But uh, it, was, it was a very, very close fight in terms of round by round. But uh, I, thought, I thought Yanez took it 29-28. If you want to make the argument that Davy shaded it 29-28 by taking two and three, uh, you know, I, I think I think that's a conversation to have. 30-27 to Davy, with all due respect to Davy, I don't think that was a 30-27 fight. Uh, I certainly didn't think it was a 37, a 30-27 fight for Davies, but yeah, it was a it, it was a really good fight. I think it's one of those fights where, yeah, it's 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 a defeat for Davy Grant, but he comes out with his stock. Certainly not too badly damaged. I think, if anything, it, it just builds on his reputation as a real crowd-pleasing fighter who is a real test for anybody at 135 pounds. And he certainly tested Adrian Yanez's chin through that three-rounded fight. But yeah, Adrian Yanez looks really composed, really slick. My only criticism of him was that perhaps he was a little bit slow out the gate. And uh, as you move up the, up the rankings towards those very top guys, you've really got to come out flying. Um, make sure you get that first round in the bank against some of these really seasoned guys. So um, 
you know, certainly stuff to build on there for Adrian Yanis. He looks like a, a real star in the making at 135 pounds, as classy as they come as well, as is Davy Grant. And I think they both went out and uh, had a meal together after that fight, which tells you a lot about both men, but very, very deserving of their $50,000 bonuses for fight of the night. The performance of the night, by the way, there's only one uh, performance of the night award uh, on a night that was pretty low on uh, spectacular action. It was decisions all the way with the exception of Taylor Santos's first round rear naked choke of Jojo Wood. And it was Taylor Santos who earned the performance of the night bonus. So uh, almost every other fight on the card went 29-28. There are a couple of couple of uh, wavering cards aside from that, but it was all largely competitive, but no finishes with the exception of that one by Taylor Santos. So not the most spectacular card. Um, it was a shame that we missed out on uh, Faris Ziam versus Terence McKinney. I was really looking forward to seeing Terence McKinney back in there again after his spectacular debut. It would have been a really nice story for him to be on that card with his, uh, his old high school wrestling coach, Michael Chiesa, also in action on the same night. But uh, one of uh, McKinney's corner men tested positive for COVID late on in fight week. And unfortunately, being a close contact, McKinney was ruled out as well. So uh, McKinney, sorry, was, 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 was ruled out as well. So, yeah, unfortunate for him. He misses out. Fingers crossed they get that fight booked or rebooked for uh, one of the fight night cards before the end of this year. But that was UFC fight night, Vieira versus Tate or UFC fight night 198. That was at the UFC Apex. And uh, we're rolling on through these uh, these these events this year. It is, it's proven to be a pretty spectacular year for the UFC. Emerging from the pandemic, we're still doing these sort of half and half events where you've got the pay-per-views in front of big arena crowds and the fight nights are at the apex fingers crossed we're going to start to see the fight nights branching out into into the big wide world again and uh, as we're here talking on the brit pack i wouldn't be at all surprised ladies and gentlemen if we hear of a ufc fight night event coming to london in march next year just taking a look at how things are all are all being set out right now I'm wondering if that March the 12th card, UFC Fight Night 204, uh, there's no current location set for that event. I suspect we are going to see that event either in Europe or in Abu Dhabi, and I have a sneaking suspicion we may see it at the O2 Arena. Watch the skies with that one. Keep an eye on that one. I think UFC Fight Night on March the 12th um, could be the one um, that, that, that we're going to see in front of uh is it march 12th sorry march the 19th march the 19th i think it is um is the one that we need to keep an eye on because looking at the scheduling of a few things i think the o2 could be could be the location so keep an eye out for that we're starting to see some uh some british fighters beginning to get booked for matchups jack shaw and umar namagamedov a fight that they've tried to book before has provisionally been slotted in for that date on March 19th. I know there are some others in progress right now, so keep an eye on that, and we may well see some further news. But don't be surprised if we see a UFC fight night in the UK in March, in that usual slot in March in 2022, and uh, it would be a long time coming after we missed out not once but twice over the last two years. So, um, of course, that was going to be Leon Edwards versus Tyron Woodley, uh, back in 2020, and we were going to have a fight night card this year 
in September, and that obviously fell by the wayside as well. Uh, thankfully for UK fight fans, Bellator were able to put a fight night on uh, in October with MVP versus Douglas Lima too. And uh, the atmosphere at the uh, the SSE Arena Wembley was outstanding. I cannot wait for the UFC to get back to British shores, to get into the O2 Arena and to take the roof off the place. So keep your eyes peeled. I think we might well, uh, if we're lucky, get an event in London in March next year. But uh, it's been pretty quiet this week, hasn't it? It's not been the busiest week in terms of in terms of uh, big fights or anything like that. It's it's all pretty quiet. We're just getting, it's the calm before the storm as we get ready for the end of the year. But one story that has certainly helped all of the uh, the media outlets this week, Conor McGregor is starting to, uh, to, to ramp things up on Twitter once again. And he's, he certainly knows how to time it. It's been nice and quiet. He puts a couple of tweets out. He responds to an ESPN tweet saying, who do you want to see Conor McGregor face next? They did a little feature and McGregor jumped on it. And that has just done gangbusters numbers in terms of uh, responses on Twitter. And of course, all the subsequent stories that have piggybacked off that. And uh, he tweeted, hi lads, here goes, clicks and the like, your boss and whatnot, the Mac, Santa Claus. I'm facing whoever the fuck has that lightweight title next. Deal with it. Take off your goggles and mark the trilogy, presumably with Dustin Poirier, unfinished. Deal with that too. The rest mentioned after this. Deal with it. That was a tweet sent on uh, on Wednesday, November 22nd. And uh, I don't think Conor's going to get a title fight on his way back. Let's be, let's be honest. Um, it doesn't make any sense. The only way he gets a title fight is if Dustin Poirier wins. I think if Dustin Poirier gets beat, I don't think that, that there's a remote possibility of that happening. But who knows? Who knows? It's... Um, Stranger things have happened, right? We've seen people coming off of, of losses getting title fights. And Conor McGregor certainly still has plenty of pulling power. So we'll have to see. But I think there are other fights out there for him. I mean, Masvidal would be a fun fight if he wanted to fight at 170. I think uh, he's certainly got options at 55. I think Justin Gaethje is an option at 55. I think Michael Chandler would be a very interesting option at 55. So, and then of course, there's the fight that everyone has been hoping and waiting for, which maybe makes more sense now than it ever has, and that's the Nate Diaz trilogy fight. So, we'll see if what certainly seems to be the case is Conor McGregor is absolutely angling to get back in the cage again. He's looking to recover from his broken leg. Fingers crossed that all is going okay for him. And uh, when we see him back in the cage, we see him back at 100% fitness, not carrying any any residual uh, damage. And he can go in there and uh, just fight completely at 100%. Because whenever the man gets in the cage, the world watches. And uh, it's going to be a big occasion no matter who he faces next. But thanks to that that one tweet, we've got some uh, we've got something something of note to talk about on an otherwise quiet week. Um, it's been it's been pretty pretty quiet. And as I say, nothing coming up this week in terms of Bellator or UFC. The next time we're going to see both of those cards in action, we've got December 3rd, Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. Bellator 272 will see the return of former two-promotion champ champ, Kyoji Horiguchi, who was on top of the world in Bellator and Rising and relinquished both those titles after getting injured. Uh, 
relinquished them very quickly. Very classy move. Didn't want to hold anything up. Relinquished those belts. Now he's back. He has signed with Bellator and challenges current bantamweight champ Sergio Pettis for the 135-pound belt in the main event. We've also got Emmanuel Sanchez. He's back in the cage in the co-main event against Jeremy Kennedy. JJ Wilson, uh, the, uh, the Kiwi, will take on England's own Alfie Davis. That is without doubt the biggest bout of Alfie Davis's career. They, they will kick off that main card on Showtime, four-bout main card. Uh, other notes for European fight fans, Oliver Enkamp is also in action on that card against Kyle Crutchman. That will be the featured preliminary card bout as things are currently listed. The bout order often gets uh, shifted around before fight night, but at the moment, that's how it's listed. Oliver Enkamp, and uh, he's always fun to watch, has done the business on some European Bellator cards. They've now moved him across to a big stateside card, and this is a big opportunity for him against Kyle Crutchmer. So that is going to be on December the 3rd, and then the following night, December 4th, UFC on ESPN 31, or Vegas 44, if you prefer, goes down at the UFC Apex, and it's a main event at bantamweight between Rob Font and Jose Aldo. Great stylistic matchup. I'm really excited for this. This is about that. I think if you're a, if you're a bit of a striking purist, you want to, you know, you love your stand-up fights, but you don't just want slugfest. You want some, some real technical striking. This is going to be one for you for sure. Rob Font criminally underrated at 135 pounds. He may not carry the, the, uh, the biggest name value, but he is without doubt one of the most polished strikers in that division, taking on Jose Aldo. We all know all about him. He is a Hall of Famer in the making, former featherweight champion, of course. Uh, that's the main event. Brad Riddell versus Rafael Fiziev is going to be an absolute banger at 155 pounds. Fiziev, striking coach at uh, Tiger Muay Thai. Brad Riddell, absolute monster striker from uh, City Kickboxing, uh, former kickboxer. That is going to be brilliant. Jimmy Crute versus Jamal Hill. Good to see Jamal Hill is back healthy again after that loss to, to Paul Craig. He's taking on Jimmy Crute, who is always a lot of fun to watch. We've got Manel Cap versus Zalgas Jumagalov. Easy for me to say on the prelims. Jake Matthews is back in action as well. And there's a whole load of bouts on that card. Uh, they're clearly looking to get some of the uh, some of the Antipodean fighters on the card. And uh, there's some good fights. Brian Barberina versus Matt Brown at welterweight should be fun. Luis Smoker versus Vince Morales should be a lot of fun at bantamweight. Uh, Leonardo Santos is back. He's been, it's been, it's been a while since we've seen Leonardo Santos. He takes on Clay Guida. Mickey Gould is back. He takes on Alex Morono. And uh, William Knight versus Alonzo Menafield at light heavyweight. You won't find too many bigger, more powerful looking light heavyweights on the UFC roster. They're going head to head on that card as well. We will have more previews for that as we get a little bit closer to fight night. Bit of a shorter show this week. Uh, Sandu being over there in New York and it being a quiet week. And uh, we will be back behind the microphone next week as we ramp things up again as we head into the final month of 2021. It's been a pretty good year for MMA and it's been a fun year uh, for us here at the Brit Pack. It's been really great getting things back up and running again. And we, we really are grateful to everyone out there for for uh, being a part of it and listening to the show. You can support the show by going to thebritpackmma.com where you'll find your links to everything you need. The up-to-date version of the show will be there. 
the up-to-date version of the show on YouTube, which at the moment is still an audio-only product. That will soon be video. We are working on a few little bits and pieces so that when we go live, it will look as good as it can be. That will be coming soon, but you can still have it streaming on, on YouTube. That will be on there as well. Plus, all of our social media handles are available via that page as well. If you can rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, that would be a huge, huge favor for us. Helps us get up the rankings on those iTunes or Apple Podcast charts. Um, if you if we're on Spotify, you can get us on Spotify if you prefer listening on there. And the other thing you can do, if you enjoy what we do, just let people know. Let people know. Get on social media and just tell people that you're enjoying listening to the show. And it's really great to, to hear your feedback and uh, to hear that people out there are enjoying what we do. We're still slightly coming out of the cave when it comes to getting to events and stuff, but things seem to be uh, trending in the right direction. And fingers crossed, 2022 is going to be a lot of fun with both Sandu and myself uh, getting out to a lot more events. And uh, fingers crossed, we might even find ourselves on the ground at an event together and we can do some some on-the-ground stuff as well. That would be a lot of fun as well. But in the meantime, have a good weekend off. Enjoy whatever it is you're doing when you're not consuming MMA. And uh, we will speak to you in a week's time. That's the Brit Pack. We'll speak to you in a week. <laughs>